explaining a myth with a myth is just pure insanity. That is what I want to riff on today because I read something that was insanity. And I come from a religious background. So whenever I confront my mother about any religious views, it's interesting that they're like, well, we use the Bible to prove that the Bible is true. And I'm just like, no, mm -mm, no, we can't do that because those laws don't work in any other system. You can't, I can't just write a book and then in order for me to justify the information in there, I use the same book. Well, chapter 10 makes sense because of chapter one based on, well, on chapter one, right? It's just a myth. There's no real like proof explanation. It's just a story that we tell people. And this is the power of storytelling and repetition. You tell a story and tell a story and tell a story and unconsciously without us even wanting to, we start to believe the story. And also there's this idea that if everybody else believes in the story, We may be stupid for not believing the story, but here I wanted to tell you that you are ahead of the curve if you don't don't just buy into stories. Let's talk about that today. Welcome to Metaphysics of Photography Podcast, where we discuss elevated personal branding for mystical misfits and rock stars, as in crystals. I am Adanis, also known as Ultra, your host. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Oh, I already recorded like a little mini like, oh my God, we're going to be talking about this and that. But there is a crazy dog next door that just won't shut the fuck up. So I had to, you know, go close the door and, uh, you know, attempt to do this again. Hi, welcome back. I'm so glad that you're here. I want to talk to you today about this idea of proving a concept with an unprovable concept right now in spirituality and intuition and intuitive work and spiritual business there's no logic right magic and and law of attraction there's no logic to it now there's laws and laws don't need to operate under logic and and in actuality logic is the explanations that we make up in our heads to justify something For example, back in the times before people were educated, before people could read, people would say the sun god, oh, the god of the sun is giving us food and and warmth. And, you know, we were um, creating this myth, creating this survival mechanism, which is like, I don't know what the sun is. I don't know how to explain that the force of the power. But I know that it's good for me. I know that it's beneficial. I know that it. I can analyze and study at the very least what I see. And what we do as human beings is really, really, really spectacular. Whatever we don't understand, we just make up. Can you believe that? That that's how the brain works? You don't understand something. You don't know what it is. So make it up. Now, as we may think of that as a disadvantage, but it's an advantage. It's a huge advantage, right? This is like what we call people who have like beginner's luck or a lucky break. That is because you, you know, literally thought yourself into a, po- a possibility, into a potential. And that within itself is really good. It's really wonderful. Um, but also when you put the wrong programming, the wrong information on its very own is going to send you on the wrong path. What's really cool about it is that you can use myth 
and story and made up concepts, right? Not to try to understand reality, but to create reality. And I think that that is one of the processes that it's kind of like why I love metaphysics because metaphysics is like, well, I don't want to, I don't want to study the rabbit. I'd rather study who created the rabbit there, but we can't put our finger on that. That question is, is more enticing for someone who is into philosophy and thinking than someone who's into like figuring out how rabbits work, right? But we're still both very curious about rabbits and different spectrums, right? You may be very curious as a veterinarian or a lover of rabbits. I don't know why I'm using rabbits. I've started using um like the hole and the rabbit a lot in my emojis and I designated them as like my brand's emojis, emojis because um, I simply um, always think like, okay, we're going down the rabbit hole. Like, you know, so it's almost like, okay, crazy talk, right? This is not going to make logical sense. So while there is laws to, you know, forces that control things, um, logic may not be the way that we can utilize to explain these things. It's almost like when you get this, when you have um, an experience, like an out-of-body experience, and you know what you felt, you know what you saw, you know what you went through, and you even try to explain it to people, but you just know at the deepest level that they just don't understand because it's so unique that you can't even express it correctly. Um, you may not even have the words to quantify to like be able to fully express the experience. And you also know, you get this deep understanding that um, this experience is personal and that it won't be like that for someone else. Even if it's similar, we also have no way of, of knowing that. Um, we have no way of saying like, you will have visions of an angel. Because even if we all have visions of the angel, the angel may look different, will look different in each one of our minds. We all have different um, things that we attribute to how an angel should look. And a lot of it could be conditioning. Other things could be your imagination. And it quite doesn't matter. So sometimes we're trying to use our thinking mechanism to understand more than using our thinking mechanism to create. Now, this is where you can use manifestation and, and this concept of a myth, right, to create, to manifest, what we cannot use is a myth to explain the myth, right? It's just like, okay, you're taking me down a spiral. You are taking me into the rabbit hole in the most uh, absurd and crazy ways. And it really comes about this example that I, that I saw. So today in my metaphysical studies, we are tackling one of my favorite subjects. Ah, I love metaphysics so much. Res not resurrection. <laughs> resurrection not resurrection, reincarnation, which I guess resurrection is a form of reincarnating, right? If incarnating means going into the flesh, when you die, your soul comes out and then you reincarnate into the same body. That's um, resurrection, but it's still a form of reincarnation. Okay, we're again going down the rabbit hole. Y'all coming with me? Okay, so strap on your seatbelt and let's just take a ride. So every time that I have this concept, um, I create like a quote or like a shortcut, a shortcut or a phrasing. I know a lot of people get quoted by writing a book and then there's like a quote in the book that's like, oh my God, this is the greatest sentence of eternity. But I sometimes just have a, a unique sentence and a unique phrasing that it's like, huh. And then that builds from there. So it's not like I write a whole story. Sometimes that works too. But today... 
as I was doing my metaphysical studies and it was talking about um, reincarnation, the topic is in theology, in the Bible, um, was there any reference to reincarnation? Is there something about reincarnation in, in the Bible, right? Because most Christians, um, religious people do not um, believe in reincarnation here, the Westerners. But I want you to know something that's really spe- spectacular and blew my mind, which is two thirds of all the world, the population actually believes in reincarnation. So in the West, we don't tend to believe in that, but most of the world does. Think about the percentage. That means that 66, about 66% of the population believes in reincarnation and only 33 don't. That means that two-thirds, right, um, believe in reincarnation and one-third doesn't. So the minority here is the not believing in reincarnation. I found that fascinating because because I grew up not believing in reincarnation, then it doesn't fit in my head that most people would understand this concept and that it's a highly spiritual concept. And of course, being raised in um, being Pentecostal and Christian, um, it sends me, it always sends me into the bio, the journey of the questions in the Bible. I always love the idea. I'll go to the Bible and see if there's any reference to this. The idea of the Bible, I know it's been misinterpreted. I know it's been fucked up and confused and written in a very biased, right? Like a white man, king type of perspective. Um, or even totalitarian, like, or, or not totalitarian, but supremacy. Like, we are the chosen people. We are supreme. Um, and at some point, you have to see the humanity in humans and ignore it. And it doesn't matter, right? This is why we're here. We're experiencing humanity. We're not going to get it perfect. And also, that's not the reason we incarnated. No one incarnated into the, this reality was demanding or expecting perfection. That perfection was that world. In a world where you have choice, there's no perfection because perfection takes away the choice. Right? Does that make sense? In order for you to see how hot something is, you have to have the perspective of cold and warm and anything in between. So as I am exploring the metaphysics of reincarnation, you know, I am wondering, well, what was the reference in the Bible? And it's interesting because there is references in the Bible when it comes to reincarnation. But here's the mistake. Most theolo- theo- uh, theologians, I don't know the name, most people who do like preaching and teaching in the Bible and things like that, they, they do one crucial mistake, right? The one crucial mistake is that they take things that are supposed to be symbolic and they make it literal and they take things that are literal and they make them symbolic. An example of that is in this context of reincarnation, which I found extremely fascinating. So for example, if you ask most Christians, they, and you ask them if reincarnation happens, they would say no. Meanwhile, there's many references, or, or not many, but some references um, as to the, um, I don't know, expectation of reincarnation. So for example, having um, a group of people ask, are you the reincarnated um, Elia? El- now, they didn't say it reincarnated Elijah, right? It wasn't so fucking stupid. Uh, it wasn't so verbatim. Like, we're, we're like, ugh. 
Sometimes I feel like we're super, super smart and then super, super dumb. And that every generation, every new generation thinks that it's smarter than the last. And we're ultimately working with the same exact brain. We're just like, we kind of are the same exact, right? And in the, in a, in the blink of, of time that we are in, which is a, a fraction of a microscopic when it comes to inf- infinite time, it, it's just like a, a blink in the radar of time. An important blink, but a blink nonetheless. I digress. So we're digging into this topic. I love this topic. And I said, okay, well, let me look at, uh, you know, because I grew up in the church, I do remember things like, oh, suddenly these memories inside of me go, oh, yeah, I do remember people talking about, is, are you the, the, are you the Messiah? Um, are you Elijah? Are you blah, blah, blah? referencing that this person that stands before them has this um, similarity to this prophet that lived many, 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 you know, hundreds of years sometimes, and they had obviously passed away. And here's the one thing that freaking rocked me to the core. It was borderline funny, but also it let me know the, this concept that I've always used. The deceived do not know they are deceived. They just don't know. If you can see the light, if you can see the truth, you are also not this person that's going to push the truth on people. That is not how truth works. So if you're just like, I'm going to help people, I'm going to help them, I'm going to help them see the light. And you you, you come from this um, very like, I will help you, I will make you better, all these things. I want you to understand that most cult leaders, they originate, most dictators, they originate from this very idealistic perspective of the world. I remember one time I was talking to to um, one of my former friends, her name is Kellyanne, and I remember that she said something like, I want to go and live in a farm or, or have this community where we raise our own food or, or she's, a, she was ve- she's vegan, so she's like, I guess we um, raise our own corn. I don't know, what the fuck ever. But she had this entire world, this entire like utopia and she was sharing it with me and she was very happy to share it with me because she saw this as something positive but as she's sharing it with it as she is sharing this with me i am horrified i'm just like you want to live in a community like a camp and we have to grow our own food Ugh! and everybody doesn't shave right because we're all natural and nobody's wearing deodorant and everything that seemed like a utopia and something extraordinary and beautiful to her just literally sounded like my worst nightmare I was like, I don't like this at all. So when you get on your soapbox, when you are really certain of the work you're going to do and how you're going to help people, consider that most people that are very idealistic and very stubborn in their perspectives, even if it seems positive at the time, they have a track record for becoming um, cult leaders and just um just people that control maybe cult leader is too strong but a controlling person um maybe they become a pastor and so they're not seen as a cult leader maybe they become like an online influencer so they're not seen as cult leaders but a cult leader within itself is not something that people can identify right away Sometimes it takes a little bit of time for them to completely like reveal all of their layers. Um, and sometimes, and most times, they start with a positive, a positive um, perspective and a positive desire. And so I'm not telling you not to be positive or altruistic. I'm just telling you to not be blinded 
by the concept of helping someone else because that positions you as a savior and as a hero and no one needs saving and no one needs heroes you need to save yourself you are your own hero so we need to just constantly bring ourselves back to that understanding with that understanding we respect people and we respect their journey we don't have to understand it either we know we're like oh okay they're contributing to consciousness in that particular way and i don't need to change them and your message becomes about like well i'm just saying things that i feel are important to me um sharing it with more people and whoever resonates with that message we can just like high five and and feel like ah yes we're the same right but ultimately this is not a movement in trying to create a tribe let me take you through why i don't think tribing up tribing it up is cool there is aspects of the tribe that are amazing obviously this is survival and obviously it feels better if you create a tribe of people who are just like you think like you move like you and that way you are safe in your little tribe bubble I think the less that we try to create tribes, the more benefit we can offer the world because then we don't have to fit ourselves into one particular bubble. Um, that's, that's the concept of global fame. It's not like niche fame or local fame or famous on paper or whatever it is. But to be a global force, globally recognized, it is quite an extraordinary perspective. And I always think of Jim Carrey when I think about that because there's a there's a video that he did in an interview and he's talking about this, like the concept of fame, but not just like getting famous. He talks very specifically about his visualization process, which was so famous that you cannot walk down the street without people running after you, screaming your name, idolizing you, right? And I want you to bring in this example, someone like Michael Jackson. Some, someone like Michael Jackson is fascinating, right? Um, because how he started his world, how he looked, and everything about where he ended was different, including how he, how he looked. He was a shapeshifter. Um, granted, there was so many like rumors and we're so like mean to public figures. We're so mean. Like we, we forget that they're just re like regular people and that they're just really putting themselves out there and they're really bold and courageous, but they're just like humans, just like us. And my father has the, that, that disease where your pigment um, in your skin starts to, um, to like go away. Now my dad, who is my stepdad, He's very fair, right? He's like a white guy. He's got green eyes. He's got, his hair is white now, but it was like dark hair. He, he if you want to think about how my dad looked, he looked Italian. He had really long pointy nose. He was short, um, straight black hair, really uh, bright green eyes, sometimes like hazily. Um, and so he looked like a white guy, right? So because he is already really fair, he looks like a white person, um to have this disease where you lose pigment is very is not as obvious as someone who has more pigmentation on their skin tone um someone who's darker basically so michael jackson has the same had the same um disease or this ailment whatever it's called um and my dad you can see if you look at his hand there's a, there's spots where he's losing pigment and inclusively my dad was always even since he was young he had like this patch of white hair 
um, that just like hair that never had pigment ever. And right now, I mean, he's an old man, hello, but his hair just went white completely. I remember when I, and I always loved him to have a, mus a mustache and he was started shaving his mustache. I was like, dad, like what the fuck? Why are you shaving your mustache? You look so weird, so bare, so open to the public. And he goes, well, it's growing in half white and half black and I'm looking like a skunk. And I just died laughing because he was like, mm -mm, that's not the, that's not the look. What I'm saying is that someone loses their pigment when their light, when their skin is light already is not such a drastic change. And I know that Michael Jackson had the same problem. And when you're losing your pigment and you're going from like dark skin to like no skin tone, like, you know, salamander color, ugh, I just grossed myself out. Um, you know, it's got to be incredibly hard and weird and to do this publicly. But Michael Jackson was one of these people that women would pass out in the presence of Michael Jackson at a concert that was full to the brim. Do you understand the power of his presence? The power of a presence so fucking incredible that people pass out just when they look at you. I mean, that sounds like Jesus, right? Remember the story of Jesus when like, the woman with the bleeding problem, she touched him and he was like, someone touched my garment. He was so powerful that this very essence exuded a power that if you calibrated to it and touched it, you felt it. And I was like, damn, Michael Jackson had that same power. People would pass out and scream. Now, when I was younger, I did not understand this power. I thought it was ridiculous. I was like, I will never be like that for a celebrity. Like, oh my God, you're so stupid. So I wouldn't do it. I was like, no, no, no. Until we, the thing is that I want you to understand is that you're not stronger than your shadow. You're not stronger than your psychology. You're not stronger than your environment in the sense that all these things are at the subconscious level, level, right? And if you understand that these things are more powerful than you, then you can let go of saying like, why do I make mistakes? It's like, hey, because there's a programming below the levels of your awareness that is so much more powerful than you can impact. And then at the same token, I want you to realize your power because you are so powerful that you can impact and change your subconscious. And once you impact and change your subconscious, then you are automatically that which you desire to be. Will it be harder to change your mind? Yes. Will it be tough? Will it be exhausting? Will it be complicated? Yes, 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 yes. But it's worth it, so you do it. And you commend yourself because you know that that's what you have to do anyways. You came here to do that anyways. You came here to have that experience in the world. You came here to heal that. Okay, back to explaining a myth with a myth is insanity. I've had many conversations with my mom where I get into like some type of biblical discussion. and I'm like, mom, but let's use this example because they want to use the Bible. Here's where, here's where this is all coming from. People want to use the Bible to explain the Bible. And it's just insane. It's insanity. It's like any other book. Imagine a book where you're just like, you know what? In order for you to believe chapter 10, you believe that because we told you about it in chapter 3. Right? Like the end of times. It was predicted. 
First of all, the end of times hasn't happened. I'm pretty sure that every time there was a war or something crazy going on in the world, somebody thought it was the end of time. And it was the end of time for somebody. When COVID came around, it was the end of time for those who fucking died. It was the end of your time, bitch. Uh, I get so annoyed at the idea that these concepts are pretty pretty powerful in so many other contexts but not to the bible not to the myth the bible is a myth there's a lot of power and a lot of lessons that we can extract out of the myth but we have to understand what it is and where it came from and how it's how it came about and more importantly is it something that is going to be useful and beneficial for you to understand it? Is it something that you will take your life into a higher realm, right? Maybe more spirituality or maybe demonstrating a better life. So the difference between a mystic and um, a psychic, um, somebody asked was like, what is one of the things? And I want to put this in your heart and forever. So, so it forever works on you. So if it works with you and for you forever. You can see tons and tons of unsuccessful psychics. We can drive by the hood and see like a tarot card reader who's got like a little shack that looks like it's falling apart and she's old and decrepit looking, right? We all can see that a psychic doesn't necessarily have the means or the ways of improving her life just based on her psychic abilities or his psychic abilities. Psychic abilities alone is no guarantee of success. It's just extra perception. But the mystic, without a doubt, will still be able to open up all their clairs and have sight into another realm, be able to use that realm in the way that it was intended to and create a life which, in which they can demonstrate that the knowledge, the esoteric knowledge, that all the things they tried, played with, and learned actually are yielding, are coming into a positive result. Right, so one of the um, the things in metaphysics that we all stand by and that we really anchor into is that. It matters not if you know all the information, wisdom, and knowledge of the world, if all that information, wisdom, and knowledge has not helped you to make a better life for yourself. It's as if you don't know it. If I tell you I have the secrets and I can help uh, you make a million dollars, yet I haven't helped myself make a million dollars, like what what are we doing, right? We need to be... Um, incredibly responsible with our lives with our thought process and what we create just need to do that now that's a mystic that a mystic is someone that says i'm going to use my psychic abilities because here we are i have them if you don't even have psychic abilities just get into a mystical practice just get into meditation just open up your metaphysics start learning about it and as a result of just being in that world your psychic abilities will open and expand because we are all psychics in the sense that we all have an energetic side to us that is constantly able to communicate in different ways that the five senses can. A real mystic. When I think of a mystic, some, sometimes I think of, I had to put up a face to it, I think of Sadhguru, someone who's successfully externally and successfully internally. Um, I think that that is one of the most um, pivotal things that we can understand. And if you're a psychic, I am going to implore you right ask you to go and seek out metaphysical studies information more things that are more to do with the origin and the beginning and the understanding of the mysteries of the universe because it is a worthwhile um 
experience. And it is something that is an experience. Metaphysics within itself is a study, is a questioning, is an observation. So there's a scientific part to it, but it's only observable for you through you from the inside. So it's not necessarily classified as science because nobody else can observe your inside. But it is a science because you can observe this every day for yourself. You're just the only one that can do that. It's almost like I, I think that we should all invent a religion. For one, just for you. How if you invented a religion and you have to be in complete integrity to that religion, then you're the only one that needs to be part of that religion. Why would you start a whole religious movement, right? Um, if you are called to that, I get it. But the, the idea for me falls short when we are asking other people to do things we haven't done and we can't even do and we are just like basically convincing other people. It, it, there's no convincing if there's conviction. If you're convicted about what you know, if you have proof for yourself, then nothing else really matters. Okay, so let, let's keep back, going back to the explain a myth with a myth is insanity. I just thought about that sentence and I was like, yes, explaining a myth with a myth is insanity. Now, I love the idea of creating a myth. This is part of the work that I do in my marketing. Um, we call this mythical mythical marketing or myth marketing, one of those, e either way, mythical or myth, which is short for mythical. But this is all about creating a marketing plan, which makes you into a myth because a myth is something that we can create in our electromagnetic reality, right? In our energetic world through our emotions, feeling thoughts, and our energy. So I've had this conversation many times, and this is what I love about Christian arguments. When they get stumped, they tell you God works in mysterious ways. This is like the exit strategy. They'll never be able to just take and be like, you're right. You convinced me. The all goes, well, God works in mysterious way. They're so afraid of hell are so afraid of negative consequences that they're just not even willing to contemplate something else. The shock of being wrong for so long would be devastating to the system. So we should not um, want to just turn people, turn them into something else. We should let them unfold how they're supposed to because their perspective is important. They are here, right? for a powerful reason, even if you don't know what that reason is, even if that reason is not obvious to you, right? But in explaining a myth with a myth, we run into, um, you know, straight up uh, craziness. Um, so let me just get into like, what does it mean? Explaining a myth with a myth is insanity. Well, it conveys the idea that using like maybe unverified stories, untrue, made up shit, just myth, right? Um, just fantasy, to try to make sense or to justify another unverified, untrue, irrational, nonsensical thing about it. It's so weird when I used to always really believe in the concept of the Immaculate Conception, right? God impregnated Mary um, and she, you know, was told by the angel and when I look at that scenario, I remember thinking about it as a child and as a teenager, thinking it was like sacred, like, oh my God, <gasps> she was chosen. And it wasn't until I was old enough to understand sex and being a virgin and roofies and all kinds of scenarios where I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, motherfucker, wait a minute here. What would happen? What the fuck would happen? 
to a to a, a woman who would say that shit today and this is an argument or, or i'm gonna say argument but a case that i present to my mom I was like mom if i say to you i am a virgin i have never had sex i'm 14 years old i'm 15 years old because back in the day these women were impregnated very early they were married way into being just a, a child or a teenager at most and the benefit that was uh, the benefit about that is that because women didn't have rights and opinions and they didn't really matter because fucking eve ruined it for all of us damn eve damn eve just kidding i love eve she's the ultimate rebel ultimate leader is a woman eve ultimate leader is a woman because leadership comes from rebelling against the status quo and that's what she did she challenged god her itself based on how christians put it it's an act of defiance but the way i see it it's an act of courage and is what set us all according to this myth on the path of self-discovery on the path of knowing what knowledge is what is the difference between good and evil and that that the idea of choice if i don't know the difference between good and evil and i live in this perfect reality where nothing ever goes wrong am i at choice the reality is no you are not even if that environment is gorgeous and beautiful and has everything you can possibly need you are still not at choice and when you're not choosing to be somewhere you are captive you are not free. So what this is suggesting, what we're suggesting here is that relying on some fictional and baseless explanation to understand something only leads to more confusion and it doesn't provide valid or logical understanding. We know that the intuitive world does not rely on logic. It doesn't, right? So our intuitive world also cannot rely on our external circumstances, meaning I cannot rely on your experience of God because I don't know if you're lying to me. I don't know that if that's true. And even according to the Bible, God is personal. So all experiences will be bespoke, right? They will all be unique for what it is that you need to, to feel, to sense, to, to go through. And I remember the movie, I think it was like First Contact, it's a very old movie, but I remember that this alien figure was talking to this astronaut that, you know, travels through space. And the alien appears as her father, and she was like, Dad? Like, what the hell? And he's, the alien said, right, this being said, like, yeah, I'm, I'm not your dad. I'm just simply using this holographic expression, this look of your dad. So you're disarmed so you're not like what the fuck so your system even though appearing as your dad is probably pretty alarming but if your dad is like someone you love or the safest person in you know in the world then this alien force of this alien being used you know like through shape-shifting that this look of her father so she can listen and she's in and and whatever they spoke about she could be more receptive so i think about that scenario there's one God, there is one force, and it takes many shapes, and it takes the shape that you need. So you can understand the conversation that you need to have. And it um, lights, you know, lights a spark on your ass so you can take action towards the thing that you came here to do anyways. So we established that we are not going to have a clear understanding, a logical understanding of the intuitive right? So then everything about the intuitive has to be self-seeked, self-experienced, self-realized. 
the metaphysician cannot rely on someone else's experience. Even if we hear it, we are only using that as a potentiality and we fully understand that that may not, they may be or may not be a potentiality that we align to, want to have, or is coded meant for us to have. So the Bible is one of those books that people think like the Bible proves itself. Well, in, in, in the year blah, 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 made up number, before Christ made up figure, <laughs> like we don't know the, the, you know, and my mom, even to this day, my mom goes, well, the Jews were very good at, at, at being scribes. They're very good at writing and keeping track. Are you fucking kidding me right now, mom? Are you serious? You mean to tell me that nobody ever exaggerated, wrote the wrong thing, saw the, 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 the wrong thing? You don't think that there was cultural references that we have no idea about? You really, really, really think woods, the word of God. But here's the thing. Once you see something as the ultimate um, truth, the word of God, and it is supported by strong, 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 strong fear. You're going to hell. You're going to disown by the tribe, by, by your family. You're going to suffer. You're going to, the devil's going to like, you know, take you and hurt you. And you're full of sin. And then you're going to go to hell forever. And you're, you have such a, a short period of time. You have like at least 80 to 90 to 100 years on earth. But you're going to burn forever. Like shit don't make no sense. I tell my mom, if you tell me that God is love, tell me what love is. After you tell me what love is, is there anything, is there any room for hatred within love? There can't be because that would be the opposite. But so if God is love, then there's no room in God for hell. That, even though... It's totally logical. It makes sense that a God that made us, that love us, would not do that to us. And I can tell you that from personal experience, there's nothing that my daughter, Anais, my son, Aiden, or my own little guy, Jesse, there's nothing they can do that would make me want to put him in a burning hell forever. There's nothing they could do. They can, they can hurt other people. They can hurt me. They can hurt themselves. And all I feel for those creatures is love. Totally, completely, unconditionally. If anything, when they make mistakes, I blame me. I blame me for not doing a better job for them. Right? Their worth to me is never in doubt. They are the most valuable things. And then when something is high value, you protect it. You protect it. And so when the Bible became this high value, the ultimate word of God, then some people just naturally feel that urge to protect it. But I can tell you that most people who protect the Bible to the core haven't read it. I can tell you that most people who have read the Bible and are theologians and all that, they don't know shit about the, the Jewish culture. They don't know shit about tribes. I want you to understand something. The Jewish tribe, tribe, I want you to look up at a tribe, and when you see tribes, they don't got no clothes, they don't got no books, they don't got no education. They're just a group of people surviving together. I don't want to be a part of a tribe. That just sounds like a nightmare for me. But um, when I think of that mentality, like a tribe, I really do see a system that is highly dependent on each other. And um, I don't know that that is something that needs to happen now. 
back in the day, maybe that's how it needed to be. Maybe I, as a woman back in the day, because we weren't allowed to do anything, being a mother became the most precious thing. And then we communicated that to our children, our daughters, saying being a mother is the most precious thing because, bitch, you couldn't do, be nothing else. And so we drive at value sometimes from the things that we cannot control. We can't help it. Society tells us that we can't do this. And then we're just like, well, it's because we're so precious, right? Society tells us, like, you should be a virgin because they think that that's a more enlightened and pure state for you not them not the boys and then we just take it like you know what because we are so enamored with the idea of being angelic and being perfect i think if you fall in love with your naughty side you're going to see how beneficial and beautiful it is and i'm not talking about people that go crazy and lose their mind there's so many people who even i have seen them as mentors and completely lost their shit um, and that means that even though they had aspects of the truth, they didn't have the, the full truth. And very clearly, truth is something that is experienced. You can have the truth and not apply it, maybe not even believe it, and it will change you and it will calibrate you. But you, again, right, you have to stay vigilant because the ego also matures with you. So then it makes it even more like harder to look at your blocks, easier to take care of, but maybe even more, um, more disguised because now you're smarter. And with every layer that you shed, you do get smarter. You do get better. And the ego is not a, is not an idiot. It's kept you safe because it's super, super smart. Right. Okay. So the the incident that is inspired this riff was that I started to look for um where in the Bible I wanted concrete references where in the Bible has there been talk or any kind of hints to reincarnation and there's a a specific time when um a group of people is asking a leader are you the reincarnated version are you reincarnated someone else right it's like the names don't matter but it's like imagine that there is a leader a charismatic leader teaching a group of people you can call that an influencer nowadays a spiritual influencer maybe even a pastor what the fuck ever and you can imagine that all the people they're talking to somebody raises their hand that goes hey are you are you the reincarnation of I don't know, let me make up a name, Susan. <laughs> Are you Susan the Divine? You know, how many people channel um, Abraham Hicks, channels an entire other being, right? And so it's not reincarnation in the sense that um, um, Abraham is not permanently taken over Esther, but that they have this symbiotic relationship where they help each other and they, I don't think that Abraham needs Esther, but to the degree maybe there is because Esther is the mouthpiece. So um, Abraham needs to communicate this message through through Esther. So they have a symbiotic, mutually beneficial relationship. I, I, I see it in that way. Okay. So when I go and look for this reference online, because, you know, Google, and I find all these Christian passages of like, no, God did not, Jesus did not believe in reincarnation. No, you guys are crazy. 
and the the one that stuck out the most because i was just like okay whatever i'm looking through different opinions because i'm trying to see i'm trying i'm checking the temperature how many people believe that there was reincarnation topics in the bible and how many people don't believe that right and obviously i'm in, in america so most of my searches are in western right in the western world so i am part of that one third that does not believe in reincarnation Although I am part of the two thirds because I do believe in reincarnation. I, you know what I'm saying. Nonetheless, I read this little, I think it was like a blog from, I don't know who wrote it. It's not important. And it was a question like, hey, did Jesus believe in reincarnation? And at first it wasn't like hell to the no. But at first it was just like, most people think that is because of this passage. And it, it quotes the passage. And I was like, oh my God someone who gets it that's my mind i'm like okay he totally gets it cool so i keep reading but what he was saying was that the disciples asked jesus if he was a reincarnated messiah right or not the reincarnated messiah the um elijah all these names they're like are you elijah which implies that they believe that someone from the past who had been dead could embody a new body and be reincarnated there is those conversations but the the person who wrote the blog was interesting because he said well that does not mean that god that jesus believed in reincarnation because um this is symbolic this just is talking about that jesus it um demonstrated the same power and strength in delivering his message like elijah so it's obviously you're crazy because reincarnation is not real and i was like okay i can see that we're right here referencing saying like hey all the quality and aspects of elijah that you see in jesus then that's what they were talking about it's symbolic i was like okay cool but then he continues to talk about how it's ridiculous that we don't understand the symbology of that statement and also that it would be impossible because Elijah never died. And I just, I literally was like, oh, here we go. Here we go. Explaining a myth with a myth is insanity. You're telling me that in a very clear uh, passage, the communication, the conversation is about reincarnation. Maybe that word did not exist back in the day. Maybe that word wasn't popular. Maybe that word didn't exist. I mean, we could reference like when would the, the word reincarnation um, get popularized in, in society? We actually can learn that because of fucking Google. I just don't understand. We have so much information and access available to us and how... People still choose to believe in these myths. Now, I'm not telling you that you should ignore the myth and, and it's all bullshit. I'm telling you that if you know it's a myth and that it's a message inside of the story, then you look for the message and you're not worried so much about the story, right? And, and let, me let me tell you something I learned from a fucking Christian that in my, in my mind, this is just a lie. There was a very charismatic preacher. She was a woman. And I was really mesmerized by, by her. She was preaching. She was really attractive and thin. And I was like, wow, oh my gosh, she's amazing. And I bought her book and I went to get an autograph from her. And I remember asking her because she shared some really amazing stories. And I was like, oh my God, those stories are so incredible. And I don't know how I asked the concept of 
are these stories real? But I did because she told me, she's like, well, there's aspects of the stories that are real. And then we just put it together in a way that people can, can, can feel inspired. And I just was like, oh, okay. And I got her autograph and it was, it was good. But then I thought about that. I was like, oh shit, they're just lying. And what was beautiful about that conversation is that she told me she was lying, but she didn't lie to me about it. She told me the truth. She told me the truth, which was some aspects of the story are true. Other things were embellished for the sake of the story having um, a stronger emotional content. To, so the story could be more transformational. And it almost made sense, but it did bother me. And then in marketing, I want you to to understand the concepts of branding, marketing, and spirituality and religion because they're so connected. And so in branding, I remember reading a book that said, it doesn't have to be factual if it's true. And I was like, holy crap, they're lying too. The Christian religious preachers are lying. The marketing professionals are lying. Everybody's lying. I did not like that. I did not like the idea. Now, I contemplated, again, when there's a, a authority figure and they tell you something, most of the time we just kind of blindly accept it and we're just like, oh, okay. But if it's working in your head, and what I mean working in your head is like they said something that you like keeps repeating in your head and you're just like, what am I thinking about? Why am I obsessing over this conversation? Why am I obsessing over this statement? This doesn't feel true for me. This doesn't feel real for me. This doesn't feel good this doesn't feel good that she told me that half her story is fucking made up because that story brought me to walking to the to the the pulpit, walking to the front and crying and asking Jesus to do shit for me on a fucking bullshit story that never happened. That is not truth. You got me to 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 cry and to talk to Jesus and feel so oh, like oh my god on a bullshit story on a lie you got me to buy your book i don't know if i i don't know if that feels good and it worked in me and it worked in me and i was like i don't like this when i caught when i saw it come across again in a book i was like man we are assholes as human beings we just are we just really would go to no length to just take advantage of people why do we do that why do we do that that is why philosophy and metaphysics are so near and dear to my heart because I'm constantly asking myself, why are people doing the stuff that they're doing? Why? Okay, nonsensical. Explaining a nonsensical story with nonsense. <laughs> so I'm not saying that everything we do and everything we experience has to be um, evidence-backed, reason-backed, um, reliable information back, but we can all see what has happened to the news because we've all, re, you know, given up on the concept of truth and we're just um, telling stories. Um, we are controlling the narrative, meaning we are creating shit up. It's not it's not real it's insane it's insanity the definition of insanity is doing the same things expecting different results so it, it comes really close to me in 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 response to this expression a myth explained with a myth is insanity because it is 
pretty crazy <laughs> to think that nowadays with the access to information, the access to knowledge, and the access to God itself, we can meditate and go deep into the realms of you know, the cosmic information. I mean, I think they call that Akashic records and all types of realms. The information, the wisdom, the knowledge is inside of us already, all available. And yes, sometimes the Bible and other ancient books sound nonsensical because intuition and spirituality does not make sense but that should be something that you experience not something that someone else tells you about that you just just own you're like oh yeah i guess it must be true if my mama said it then it must be true do you guys ever watch remember watching um the water boy with adam sandler where he was like uh, like this mentally challenged person and his only friend was his mother and she fed him a bunch of like bullshit and everything was the devil and they're like you're not gonna play fool's ball because he wanted to play play football he's like fool's ball and she would call it fool's ball he goes because fool's ball is the devil and there was no reason no explanation nothing i mean granted if we do a little exploration it was based on some weird fears because she was like ignorant right but he then went to college and he would just repeat the nonsense his mom would say and he would be completely humiliated <laughs> and he has to have his own you know overcoming story of like damn my mom did not tell me anything that's true that does not mean that you hate your your religion that you was raised in it doesn't mean you hate your parents but you just recognize the truth and you also know they're doing the very best they can and you let that be that you are doing the very best you can right so going back to the story of the blog this guy was saying listen there is no reincarnation when jesus and the disciples were talking about elijah it was symbolic and then he goes on to say Plus, Elijah never died you idiots it's so funny how when you are convinced of something you treat other people like they're dumb. I know I do this all the time, and I'm sorry if I did it to you. I'm so sorry. I don't mean to, but it's just so so human of us to be assholes, to be dicks. So immediately I had this thought, like, holy crap. This guy, he actually thinks he understands this, and he doesn't. And I would hope that if you either think the Bible is all symbolic or all literal and just fucking stick to it because as long as you're using some symbolism some logic some rhetoric some this this and that the other you mix it all up you're just confusing yourself and you're not getting to the truth this is what it means to explain a myth with a myth this is what it's like when people tell me like i can explain this side of the bible with this side of the bible like okay well then you're insane and I am very firm in my opinion about this. Very, very firm. And so I would love to know how you feel about it. Find me on Instagram and or on Facebook and we can have a conversation and we can have fun with this topic too. But um, it just really was crazy to realize that there's parts of truth that we like because they feel... Um, that they give us power, they empower us. And there's these other parts of truth that we refuse to believe. And today when I was doing one of my metaphysical treatments, the something that was highlighted in my head is letting go of the need to hide the truth from yourself. 
And I was like, huh, that's a very interesting thought that I may be the very one keeping the truth from myself. In a more medical scientific uh, terminology that is like, it's a pattern. And it's my pattern. Okay, I want to tie this and I want to connect this to the marketing because marketing is something that is a third dimensional thing that we do. So it requires a little bit of, of logic, but really good advertising is all like metaphysical, is all psychological. So you combine those two and you have um, incredible potent um, content <laughs> for your business. In the context of marketing, I would love for you to substantiate your belief system if your belief system is indeed something that you think your message is something that can help others right and the reason why you want to substantiate this is because there's nothing more powerful than evidence right there's no there's nothing more powerful than proof for example what is more powerful if you're trying to lose five pounds losing a pound or gaining a pound <laughs> that's a weird example but you know what I mean like it's always even you want even if you want to lose a hundred pounds losing that first pound is very activating because it just gives you like oh shit it's working it just gives you that little tiny little push so you can stay a little more consistent because it, it gets hard when we're doing something new when we're doing something different when we're trying to change it will get hard even if it's easy at first, we all start with like super gun ho, like I'm gonna do this, yay! And then when it gets hard, we're like, oh my god! But you can do it. You can stick it through. In marketing, let's use a little bit of myth in marketing. Well, that's the beauty of branding. You can brand yourself as a myth, right? Um, you can brand yourself as someone who has been sent from up above. I know many, many, many influencers who use this enlightenment, this um, th this thing in their content and in their marketing. Now, does that mean that they went through it and they really are enlightened or is it just marketing content? I don't know. It doesn't matter. When it comes to energetics, we know that we attract to ourselves the things that we are or the lessons that we need to go through. So that doesn't matter. Ignore that for now. I mean, in branding, you can brand yourself as a myth. I think the most um and this is also true for like leaders and cult leaders that it, it has a lot more to do with how you brand what you tell people you are um i know of a few mystics who um who the beginning of their story of the journey that that they talk about is about um a near-death experience whether they themselves had a near-death experience or they experienced someone somebody else dying or something like that um, and in the marketing sense and in the branding sense that what that brings in is this like, hey, I was chosen for this. Um, almost like Mary. Um, it's like, well, I didn't have sex. I was just pregnant, um, which in the context of modern, the modern world makes me feel that is a very scary message that we sent women for thousands of years that god would forcefully impregnate you not tell you about it i mean that is that it, like in this context in in today's world someone impregnating you while you're asleep without your consciousness is rape right so when you think about some of the stories that were told in the bible and you really make sense of them with your own understanding of of things you're just like holy shit that's a terrible thing to to tell people is that really the message that we are interested in moving forward? That the only women that are important are virgins, that even God cares about your virginity? That's a weird concept. 
why would God care about that? Um, and that the fact that God can get you pregnant without your consent, it actually opens the door for people and men who are maybe neurotic or a little bit fucked up in the head to, it just builds the system where they can actually believe that this is, you know, a godly thing to do. It's just a weird thing. It's a weird thing to think about. Um, okay, so I want you to, in your marketing content, um, substantiate, right? Substantiate just means like prove it. Prove that this is real. Prove that it works, right? This is where social proof and testimonials comes in. is really beneficial. And so you want to say, um, let's say that you're a branding expert. So you say, these companies, you know, boom, boom, and boom, they've rebranded and they 10x their revenue, right? Of your, if you're a psychic and your thing is doing readings, you can show how someone who gets regular readings, right? And, it, and I, would, I would say that there's something about uh, social proof, like testimonials, and there's information you can substantiate that has, doesn't need anything to, to be about you or your results. It just needs to support your strategy, it needs to support your belief system or the thing that you're selling. So if there is examples out there in the world, like movies, books, um, other testimonials, of people saying, ever since I started deep diving into my psychic abilities and started going to a psychic on a regular basis, my life turned around completely. I found the love of my life. That is a way that we can substantiate and you don't need to, for that information to come directly from you. Actually, it has more credential if it comes from a credible source that is not you. Because what you're saying is like, look, I get it. I'm special. I can do cool things for you. I get it. You're special. You're ready for cool things. But here's someone who is not me. This is a scientific thing. This is a, a, um, a documentary. This is proof. Someone else has tried a similar system or a similar thing and has created incredible results. Because here's the thing. What are they going to do? Argue with you? They can't because you have the Wall Street Journal, the, the article to prove that someone else with an enormous amount of credibility and authority is advocating the same thing that you're advocating. And so you can, <laughs> you can become your own myth. You can become a myth. And I am actually suggest that you take everything that gives the Bible or any mythical story power and that you see yourself as a character like that. You know, like maybe seeing yourself as Jesus walking on water is a little too much. It's too confronting. But like the Buddha reaching enlightenment, um, you know, floating through the cosmos, like your imagination is unlimited. So you could basically do whatever you want. Um, but if you take a mystical concept like precognition, the clairs, intuition, spirituality, all the invisible things, the energetics, if you take that and you give it evidence, reason, reliable information, right? You explain it in in concepts that are easy to understand and easy to explain rather than uh, resorting to like these unsupported, you know, kind of silly, childish type of perspectives. Um, let me give you an example. You have a higher chance of influencing someone with logic than with this, this, this comment. Then I hear this all the time, especially from my clients because they tell me, you know, intimate things, but they say something to me like, 
I know that I have this magical thing that I do and I just don't know how to explain it. Baby girl, if you don't know how to explain it, then you also don't know how powerful it is. Because the more that you get acquainted with your power, the more that you know what makes you special and unique, the easier it is for you to explain it. Now, it's not easy because it's easy from jump. I set a precedence. The more you do it, the more you focus on it, the easier it gets. It doesn't mean that it's just easy from get. And if you use misinformation and confusion and um, rhetoric and you create this narrative based on manipulation and all the things, then, I mean, ultimately, because we are spiritual beings who, who strongly lead our lives, um, spiritually led, soul led, then we have really strong standard and we understand the boomerang. The boomerang is... Everything you send out there, that's exactly what you're going to get, right? That is manifestation. So when you have a spiritual business, it is in your advantage to market to the tangible. It is to your advantage to understand and explain it in a concept that is not like, ooh, like airy fairy. I am just magical. You will be able to say things like that to some people. But when you have a business... That is not something, at least for someone like me, that would ever motivate me to buy. If I go to you and you're psychic and you say, you know what, Ajanis, I make people open up to me um, and cry and tell me the truth and I heal them and I don't know how I do it. I'm going to think you're an interesting person, but I'm not interested in buying something from you. Just not. That's just my personal experience, right? But if you tell me like, you know what happens when people are around me? They start to calibrate to this massive compassion. And when they're calibrating to compassion, um, they start crying. They start revealing things they've never revealed. And it's because they're healing a part that they've never let anyone else have access to. Um, So what I come and do for you is I give you, I open the door for you to walk in and to be completely safe for the first time in your life. And only through being that safe, then we go into doing a reading. This reading is going to then be able to show you your highest calibration. Because when it comes to tarot card readings, you can only get the future, right? If you're telling the future, any type of divination, you can only tell that person's future in the frequency they're in. If they change that frequency, that future also changes, So before you can really calibrate them to something, an extraordinary experience, they're asking you important things like, when am I going to find the love of my life? What am I going to do with my life? When am I going to get money? When someone is needing guidance and support, it is to your and their highest um, good for all, right? That you both are calibrated to the highest potential. So when they come into a session with you, they can see their path of least resistance. They feel pulled and attracted to it and they leave a session with you uplifted and inspired instead of bogged down and overwhelmed did i sell you on my tarot card reading superpower versus saying like i don't know why people just cry in front of me and if that's you i don't want you to feel bad about it i want you to investigate how can you make it easy for you to talk about your superpower and if you don't know i promise you i promise you i promise you 
you're not intimate enough, you're not personal enough with your superpower, and then it is not activated to the fullest of its ability. Maybe you're working with 10% of your ability. What, what, what a detriment it would be to your life, to your business, to your career, to your mission, to your sacred fame, if you could have more power, but you're only working with a limited flow with 10% of your potential. And even so, 10% is enough. So if that's all you got, then leave with that. Just go with that. But emphasizing the importance of evidence, this is the reason why social proof is so, so, so impactful and so important. So let's recap. This phrase, explaining a myth with a myth, is insanity because it is. It is our job to stay, stay, step out of insanity for ourselves. This is not something anyone can teach us how to do. And this is not something that we can teach anyone how to do. That's why when I create programs, I create this entire experiential thing. Because I'm just like, I don't want to teach you how to meditate. I want to teach you to meditate. So there's a difference. Do you hear the difference? I can teach you how to meditate. Or I can teach you to meditate. The difference is that if I can, I can teach you how, this is how you sit, this is how you breathe, this is what you do with your mind, or I can have you fucking do the meditation. I was like, okay, just sit here, close your eyes and do it. And then you get to figure out what brings you resistance. What you do with those five minutes or 10 minutes of, of stillness. You need to find out things about you that only you have access to. Because you are a myth. And all people that get famous and are known, whether it's famous or infamous, all of them are a myth. They all created their own path. They all made it up for themselves. But what they did not try to do was make anyone else into a myth. Marilyn Monroe became one of the most celebrated, beautiful women in the world. Yet, I don't know that she was ever interested in helping other people do that. Jim Carrey has had many um, conversations about why and how the world works and, and metaphysics and all that stuff. But I don't know that he's ever been like, you know, I want to change you. He's always kind of like talking about realizing, right? Like, I want you to get famous. I want you to get rich so you can realize that it's not in the money. It's in something else. Your happiness, your fulfillment is in something else. So I'm going to give you a little bit of information as to why my process works. I bring people through a really potent and powerful calibration. And most of the time, I would have the same answer. Like, I don't know what I do, right? But as you do it, as you practice, as you own it, as you understand your own modality, then you can more and you can better explain it. There is aspects that are magical um, in this realm that we can't just explain. But there's a lot of things that I can substantiate. So for example, I'm going to give you an example with ecstatic alchemy. Ecstatic alchemy is utilizing sexual energy to manifest. Now I can substantiate how having orgasms and have, having a healthy sex life, how that would make your life better. This is not manifestation. This is actually more like medical science, right? Orgasms lead to... Um, a releasing of oxytocin and dopamine, which makes you feel better. So that alone has given you improvement. Oxytocin 
and all those positive hormones they give you the feeling of control of feeling relaxed of feeling loved of feeling connected there's a ton of positivity in having those emotions and having those thoughts so i can substantiate with real concrete evidence that supports all this magical stuff that's happening as well when we utilize sexual energy to manifest right so be the myth but don't explain a myth with a myth because the reason you got and you will get to where you are going or you've gotten here is because of the power of manifestation that's it because of the laws of the universe is why you're here why you're manifesting and why your life looks this way point blank period and that may not be easily explained but I can easily point to plenty of documentaries, including movies like The Secret, um, books and authors like um, Joe Vitale. I can go, I have millions probably, hundreds of thousands of resources that can help me solidify that what I'm going to teach and what I'm giving you is solid. But that also comes from one thing and one thing alone. Mm. I know it's solid. It's concrete. I'm convicted. I'm convinced. So there's no other way for me to talk about it that is not convicted. There's no way for me to find evidence of something opposing it because all I'm constantly doing is feeding myself the evidence that it, it is working. I feed it magical evidence that is working. I feed it um, metaphysical evidence that is working. I make it up. I mix the truth with fantasy. I lean on other experts and leaders and way makers to remind me that it's possible and I move forward and I make myself into a myth, into a magical creature, kind of like Jesus, right? Do we ever know that Jesus walked on water? Even if we can prove that Jesus was real because, you know, the Jews, they, have, they were great at record keeping. Even if we prove that he was real, we can't prove that he walked on water, even if a million people saw it. That's hearsay, right? Now, can we believe hearsay? Is the witness credible? I guess it all depends, right? If everybody's tripping on acid and you say, did you see God? And they say yes. And then you go, but you were all tripping on acid. You're just like, oh, I don't know then. <laughs> I don't know because you're all tripping on acid, right? Just investigate, you know, be smart, be intelligent, take care of yourself. And nurture your your mind. In the Bible, it tells us that we need to remo- renew our minds every day. Renew, renew, re- renew. That means that at the end of the day, you may have put some crap in your mind that you need to then the next day. Just like, remember, the truth is that God is all there is. Remember that you're unified to this truth forever and you can't even be separated from it. Remember? Remember that you, all you need to do is recognize and be aware of the truth of what is. Remember how thankful and how grateful you feel just knowing the truth, just recognizing the truth? Remember to surrender. Remember. Just remember to surrender. You get to start again every single day. You get to create something powerful and beautiful every single day. You are more than you give yourself credit. So, this phrase implies that using a myth to explain other myths Um, It just leads to a cycle of confusion and misunderstanding rather than clarity and enlightenment. So you want to also understand 
that if your goal is to be enlightened and to help pave a way for other people to be enlightened, that truth is the ultimate thing that you're always seeking and you won't settle until you find it, feel it, have it transform you and change you. And those who seek will find. So if you seek the truth, you will find the truth. It's very different. And I used to tell this to my students in the God Academy. I used to say, there's a difference between the disciples and Jesus. What's the difference? Jesus was doing the miracles. The disciples were looking at Jesus doing the miracles and telling other people about Jesus. While Jesus wasn't telling other people about him, Jesus was telling people about having an enlightened life, an enlightened lifestyle. So I want you to take a moment to picture your legacy. Really, really, really picture it, really own it. Really feel captivated and memorized by it and dive in. It's worth it, it is fun, it is exciting. And if you need any help and support with um, branding like you're already famous, if you're a spiritual entrepreneur and need a little bit of kicking the ass every now and then, gorgeous images, spectacular branding, and powerful truth-based curriculum um, consulting, creative consulting, whatever. If you feel the pull to work with me, to talk to me, I'm not necessarily selling anything at the moment, so don't feel like you're going to hit me up and I'm going to turn around and sell you something. Um, but I do hold myself. Um, I give myself the right to, if I feel inspired, to invite you into something, then I will. Because it is my job. Remember, it's not me. It's through me. It's not you. It's through you. So picture your legacy and have a wonderful time. Have a great time. Have so much fun. Become the myth. That brings us to the end of this episode. I hope that you have enjoyed it and learned something that can take you from diamond in the rough to crown jewel. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and this show, please rate and leave a review on Apple Podcasts and be sure to come back for our next juicy discussion, of course, about metaphysics, photography, and anything in between. Until then... Find me pretty stars. Bon voyage.